up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. This morning, uh, I want to remind you that the church is filled uh, with people from different backgrounds. Uh, Not everyone's from Santa Barbara here. Uh, There are a few few of us, a few of us here uh, from Santa Barbara. Others of you grew up in different places, uh, not even in this state. Uh, Some of you uh, grew up in different countries even. Um, Different backgrounds. If you think about, uh, we're looking at the book of Philippians. Uh, Many months ago, we looked at Acts chapter 16, and we saw really the birth of the church. And and you see uh, a woman, uh, Lydia, who who came to faith, really uh, a fruition of her faith. She met Jesus, and uh, there was a a connection. She is an Old Testament worshiper uh, looking forward to the Messiah, and then Paul shared with her that the Messiah was Jesus, and uh, she became one of the founding members of the church at Philippi. And there was also, you know, a, a, a demon-possessed girl and uh, a Philippian jailer, and, and there were others too, and they came from different backgrounds. Uh, when, when I say backgrounds, that's a nice way of saying hang-ups. Uh, think about that. We have different back, backgrounds, and uh, the things that uh, we carry sometimes are the struggle uh, for us when it comes to being part of the church. And uh, as we look at the scripture this morning, I want to remind you of that. Uh, just to kind of go, go back, and uh, if you've been here for a while and you've been going through the study with us, I want to remind you of some of the themes in the book of Philippians. And really, we're going to see that carried out this morning in chapter 3 as well. But one of them is just simply that that Christ is worth it, uh, that that the message of the gospel is more important than you and it's more important than me. And so it's more important than for us to seek after Christ and to embrace that in every area of our lives. Uh, we realize, too, that um, over and over again in the book of Philippians, he's talking about joy. And uh, I won't look for a show of hands, but I, I assume, because I know uh, what goes on in my own life and in the lives of the people around me, that sometimes we struggle with joy. We struggle to find uh, the joyful things in this life. And so we kind of feel like the empty surprise box sometimes. Uh, and that we're looking and we're seeking and we're uh, trying to fix this life somehow that we would find the joy uh, that we feel like we should be having but seems elusive to us. Um, I trust that as we study the book of Philippians, that's one of the reasons Paul wrote that, that, that God inspired Paul to write uh, the book of Philippians is for us here this morning. Uh, that we might understand the worth of Christ and the joy that comes from following Him. As you look at the book of Philippians, um, one of the things that comes up over and over again is this idea that we have salvation, that the work has been done for us. Um, If you look in chapter 1, it's an it's amazing truth uh, in chapter 1, verse 3. It says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in prayer of... I told you to turn to chapter 3, and now we're in chapter 1. Sorry about that. Um, 
He says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you and always in every prayer of mine for you, making uh, my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, what an amazing truth, and we're going to carry that on, this idea that uh, the confidence of bringing this life and our faith in Jesus Christ to fruition is a work of God, uh, and that He will continue that work, and He is at work in us now, uh, even at coming this morning. Uh, God's at work in you, and He's bringing to completion the faith that He started in fact, it's already accomplished, um, and He continues to work in us and will come to fruition as He takes us home. What a uh, something to look forward to, and really for us this morning, not just to look forward to, but to live in light of. Um, as you look at uh, chapter 2, uh, we, we spent quite a bit of time in chapter 2 looking at selfishness and pride. And there's this thing about selfishness and pride uh, that is logical. It's logical. Because uh, if we're wanting something, we're wanting something and we feel empty, we've got to go out and get it. And we've got to get it for ourselves. Uh, the, the picture here is that selfishness makes sense because if you lack joy, you just got to go get things that will make you joyful, happy, and somehow fill your life. Uh, that's why selfishness is so prevalent is because we think that it, we're in charge of our own lives to get what we want. And if we get what we want, we'll somehow be happy. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't work out very well. Um, and then there's pride uh, as part of that too, overlapping sin, selfishness and pride. Pride, the idea that uh, we would be great. And so somehow that would make this life have meaning. Uh, that, that that ambition that says, I, I want to be known as great. I want to be the one that everyone talks about. And those two sins are called to be put away, put away uh, for the unity of the church and that we would be uh, the, the representation that God wants to in this local place. I want to tell you that um, the more I think about... Uh, the importance of unity in the church and unity in marriage and unity in families, um, it's critical. And if we think it's no big deal, I think we're missing God's intention, uh, both for the church, marriage, and family. Um, so anyways, I'm just babbling on now, doing a review. But uh, chapter 3 is where we are this morning. And we'll start in verse 12. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, um, I'd like to read to you the scripture for this morning. God's word says this, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own uh, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have uh, made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in, uh, of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any, uh, anything you think otherwise, 
God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Help us to be people who faithfully, um, vigorously uh, love your word and that it would transform us, your spirit working in us as uh, we understand uh, what, what is true. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, um, we're, we're going to be looking at this, this concept of pressing on, pressing on. Um, Paul comes to uh, chapter 3, and, and if you're here last week, you, we saw that uh, he, he saw the surpassing worth of Christ, of knowing him, of, of having him as his Lord. And when you find something of surpassing worth, you, you find something that's so valuable. We talked about this last week, the connection to the two parables, uh, the parable of the, the treasure in the field, buried in the field, and also the pearl of great value, or the pearl of great price. And this idea that says it's worth it all. It's worth it all. And we found that last week uh, as we looked at uh, him understanding, Paul understanding how great it was to know Christ Jesus, his Lord. And, and in that, we also saw that there was, he attained a righteousness that wasn't his own. It wasn't the idea that, that he could be good enough or righteous enough. He, he couldn't do it on his own. And that's true for all of us here this morning, uh, that we can't have a righteousness on our own. Our righteousness, if we do have a righteousness, it's incomplete. It is something that is insufficient for salvation. And then uh, we ended up uh, him talking about his need and desire for the resurrection, both that Jesus had and that he would have uh, as he comes to the end of his life. And this is where we are this morning, uh, that we would press on. And my first point this morning is like this. I press on because I have Christ and he has me and he has me. I want to start with that second part first, even though in our passage it comes later. But, but if you look at uh, verse 12, he says, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That, that, that's an a amazing phrase there. That's an amazing truth that should go, why? That, that Christ Jesus and him coming to this earth as part of the plan of the Father and him living a sinless life, and then going to the cross, rising from the dead, for the purpose of purchasing you and me. He says, I have wanted to make you my very own. He wanted to purchase us. And, and you think about that, and uh, some of us struggle with the idea of being purchased but this idea that he wanted, he wanted to take you from being uh, out there, out on the streets, orphaned, if you will, to becoming part of his family, his child. As the book of Ephesians talks about this adoption process, Romans as well, Paul uh, shares a, this process of adoption that, that the reason Christ went to the cross, the reason he rose from the dead, is that he wanted to make you 
his very own. What a truth. And this morning, for us to remember that, and to, um, e- even as we struggle in this life, to, to reflect on the, the fact that, that Christ has desired and went to the cross so that I would be His very own. What a truth. It's on that that, that Paul's struggling with this idea that what Christ has done for him and what he should now do. This morning... Uh, for those of you who struggle with, so what should I do? I, I need to do some work. This morning, it's all about work. This morning. It's what should we be doing after we've come to know Christ? And it's on the basis of Christ saying, you are my own. You are my very own. Uh, Paul says this. He says, uh, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. There's this, there's this sense of incompletion to this passage. Uh, Paul had talked about, uh, just previous, last week we looked at the idea of knowing Christ and how because of the surpassing worth of Christ, it's so great to know Him. And now he kind of takes a step back and he, he qualifies that and he says, uh, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I, haven't com- I don't have complete knowledge. I don't fully know Jesus Christ. He says, um, not that I have already obtained this or or am already perfect. And the idea of being perfect is that he doesn't have perfect knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this shouldn't, um, uh, we shouldn't be confused by this or uh, you know, get thrown off. The idea of fully knowing Christ, it's not that he's not saved. He is saved. He has relationship with Christ. But the idea of knowing Christ fully of knowing all the benefits and understand all that Christ has done on his behalf. He says, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. And the, this morning, as we look at this, we can say, I too am not there yet. He says, not that I have already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but, but I press on, I press on to make it my own. This idea of pressing on, we're going to see this again, but it's this zealous, strenuous pursuit of Christ. It's the idea that it's something that we give our heart to, we lean into, we push hard. I think about these strongman competitions, and I don't know if any of you enjoy watching those. I do. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's amazing. And you see these guys that have muscles upon muscles upon muscles. And one of my favorite things that they do is when they kind of do a pull of some sort. And a lot, a lot of times it's like a, a big rig behind them. And they put this harness on and, and they, they just, you know, they get down low. And these legs that are like, they're huge. They're huge. They're like pillars. And they just lean in. And then it, it's, it's great to see these guys, but then when they're in action... Oh man, it's awesome. Because you just see and they focus and especially their neck, their neck, you know. Some of them don't even really have a neck. But uh and, and you see the just the veins in their face, their face gets red and and they're grunting and and what they're doing is they're they're putting all that they have to move this big rig. And you say, "Well, why do you want to move a big rig?" You know, 
just to show you can, I guess. Uh, but but and and they're leaning and they're pushing and and you see the finish line and they're they're going and they're moving and they're they're pushing and they're giving it all that they have that they might move forward. That's the picture here. This idea of strenuous, important activity, pursuing what we already have in Christ. He says, um, I press on. Why? Uh, to make it my own. To make it my own. Um, it's hard to picture this, but this idea of us growing to love and to know Christ. That that, that relationship that Christ already did, right? He made me His own. Now, uh, the responses and the strenuous thing that we do is that we desire that relationship, that that would grow. That as Christ has made me His own, I am pressing on that I might understand and to know and to fully know and to make Christ my own. That We are pushing towards that. I want to encourage you that um, to know Christ isn't just to know about Him. It's not just to uh, have details about Him. It's not just to know uh, even Bible verses that where he's found and what he did. It's to know him. It's to know him. It's to have a relationship with him. And that's what he did for you. That's what he wanted with you. That's what he initiated when he went to the cross for you. He wanted you to be his own. And this response is, and this pursuit and this pressing on and pushing forward is that he would be our very own. He has made us to be with Him. He has me. And what I'm pressing on towards is that I would have Christ, that I would understand, that I would grow to know Him and to have better relationship with Him. His pursuit, His pressing on, was that uh, it would be made to be His own. And this is what we should be pursuing as well. He says, I press on that I might have Christ as He has me. Which brings us to verse 13, and it's as if He's saying this again. I want to say it again. I want to explain to you this pressing on. um, Verse 13, He says, Brothers, I, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, and, and you, you get this repetition, right? He's saying, uh, Christ is worth it. We looked at that last week. We, we understand the worth of, of fully understanding and knowing Him and pursuing Him. And now he says, based upon what Christ has done, I press on. I press on. I, I'm not there yet. I haven't completed. I press on. Uh, verse 13 Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. One thing I do. Um, how many of you make lists of things that you need to do? Some of you are just comforted by making a list. Not really accomplishing anything, but uh, first thing on your list, make a list. <laughs> right? Uh, making a list and accomplishing anything on the list is two different things. And... and For most of us, 
when we make the list, there's too many things on the list. So what do you got to do? Prioritize. Prioritize. And that's a trick in and of itself, right? Uh, Some of you uh, do the easiest thing first so that you can at least cross something off your list, right? And others have been, you know, told, you know, do the hardest thing first. And so you get nothing done. Um, and so, uh, you, you know, there, there's this thing, there's different attitudes about it. But th- this should stand out to us as we look at this passage that Paul is helping us prioritize our life. He says, the one thing. And I, I, I think to myself, I'm always looking for the one thing, right? What is the one thing that I should be doing? Out of all the other things that uh, people want me to do and I think I should do and all these things pile up, what is the one thing that I should be doing? Paul's going to tell us the one thing right now. But one thing I do, he says, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Press on. As you look at that, um, he's giving us that one thing. Uh, Really the one thing that should drive all other things. And it, it, it's two parts. It's two parts. The, the first part of the one thing, first half if you will, is forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Right, now, now if you've been with us, book of Philippians, what lies behind uh, for Paul? Well, just just look back for a moment, okay? As you look in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, um, he, uh, he throws down his list of great accomplishments that he has, both uh, lists of things that he has just by birth and other things by zeal, by how hard he worked. And y- you know what that is? That's part of what he leaves behind leaves behind part i want to say part um why should we leave the past for the past why think about that right now uh sometimes we we cling to it and we say no 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 i have a great heritage i have a great heritage or i have a great uh you you know people my, my family name and what i've been given uh that, uh, that is so great. I can't leave that behind. Paul did. Paul did. Um, and I, I, you look at the accomplishments. Maybe you say, well, uh, I've done some amazing things. God has used me greatly. And I, I want to say, so he used Paul greatly as well. And he says, forget what lies behind. behind. Um. How many of you, I won't look for a show of hands, just raise your hand in your heart like this, probably just like this. How many of you have done things that you regret and it sometimes haunts you? You know. Um, How about Paul? What do you think about Paul? Yikes. He probably remembered the faces and names of people that he had murdered uh, simply because they were Christians. And for him, it went a long way, right? You know, he, he came from being a persecutor of the church to now being one that helped establish the church and was sharing Christ that the church might be established and even being persecuted himself. And this idea for him that sometimes 
I, I, I would imagine, I would imagine, I'm just speculating, that Paul woke up in the middle of the night sometimes, traumatized by the ugly scenes that he had been a part of and the sins that he'd committed. And they chased him and he, he, he wondered about them and he, in his weak moments, he probably struggled with them. What, is, what does Paul say? One thing that I do, forgetting what lies behind. Think about that. It's so important. I want to tell you, uh, this comes up over and over again. Uh, Bitterness and guilt. You know about bitterness and guilt? Uh, Bitterness, uh, you know, and maybe there's some overlap in this too. Bitterness most of the time has something to do with somebody else, right? Somebody else did something to me, and I hold on to it. It bugs me, and it, it challenges me, and it has a cloud over today, and sometimes I'll have triggers that come up, and I become bitter, and it cripples me for today, bitterness. And then guilt, that's a more personal thing, right? Those are the things that we've done that we, we struggle with, and maybe if somebody reminds us of those, we just go, oh, I hate that. What does Paul say? One thing that I do. And, and I want to tell you, it's because of Christ. It is because of Christ that this can be done. Paul says the one thing that I do is forgetting what lies behind. I want to encourage you this morning Uh, to forget the past. Your selfishness and your pride, your sins, and your successes. And forget them. I I was playing, uh, I I was watching my kid play baseball when they were young, and there was a coach there, and um, he, uh, he kept yelling at his kids. They were third grade, and they didn't even know their name, most of them. But uh, uh, he kept on saying, have a short memory. Have a short memory. And I thought, have a short memory? What does that mean? And a kid would strike out, and the coach would yell, have a short memory. Forget about it. Forget about it. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. You know, if you fail, you should have a short memory and be able to go again. Uh, but then, you know, uh, They'd have a good inning, and he'd call the team around. He goes, okay, let's have a short memory. Forget about that inning. And I'm thinking, forget about that inning. That inning was awesome. Well, what's the problem with your successes? They may not help you with today, right? We still have things to do. And as Paul is calling us to press on, he says, forget the past, both the selfishness and pride, the sins and successes. Forget them. In chapter 3, uh, he says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He pictures, and, and we're going to get more into this, but he pictures his salvation, his relationship with Christ The prize that he has as where? Forward. Forward. And so now the pursuit of his life is not carrying on the things of the past, but it's straining towards that which is ahead.
he goes on and uh, he, he describes it. And he says this, uh, straining forward to what lies ahead, verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The prize is ahead. Uh, how, how do you stay focused? How do you stay that single track? How do you stay on target? Well, no, the prize is ahead. The prize isn't here. Um, that's why we become disillusioned, right? We uh, build the perfect house. We move to the perfect place. We get the perfect car. How long do those things stay perfect? For five seconds, right? And not even that. We just didn't know it yet, right? We just didn't know it. But the idea here is this, that Paul knows the prize is ahead. That this isn't the, this isn't the, the trophy, if you will. This isn't what I'm living for. None of the stuff down here is what I am saved to and for and have. And the riches and the, uh, as he described already, what makes it worth it is not what is down here. Paul says, I strain forward to what lies ahead because the prize is ahead. And he describes it like this. The upward call. Uh, if you look down in verse 14. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This idea of the call uh, is calling unto salvation, but he describes it as a place as well. He says the upward, right? Uh, The heavenward, if you will, call. Uh, He's drawing us and and he's reminding us that, that this place that he's called us to, the salvation that we have is not down here. It is up there in Christ Jesus. That the reason Christ died, went to the cross, he went to the cross, he rose again, that we might have life. And that life would begin down here, but it would culminate or come to fruition in heaven with Jesus forever. The upward call of eternal life, of salvation, that the fullness of Christ, what he had desired and saw of worth before, would finally come to fruition in eternity with Jesus forever. Most of us struggle uh, with hobby Christianity. It's a hobby. It's something I do. Uh, some of you have hobbies right now. I, I, have, I have quite a few hobbies, actually. Uh, I'm a woodworker. Some of you don't know that. I'm a woodworker. I have built furniture in, in my house. Uh, if you come come over, I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you, and I'll say, I did it. Uh, most of you, if you looked at it, you'd realize that I did it. Okay? <laughs> My wife is a very patient lady, and uh, she she's gracious because you can look at some of the things I've done, and you say, oh, so you're a pastor, huh? <laughs> Not a woodworker, right? Uh there's a hobby. In fact, there's things that um, if you'd come over to my house and you'd go, I have a three-car garage, which there are no cars in. Um, 
But you could go through those three-car garage and you could say, well, what's this? And I said, well, that was meant to be this, but I just didn't get around to it. It's just kind of, I didn't ran out of time. and It's just kind of a hobby, you know, something I left. And, oh, what's this over here? Ah, that was supposed to be this. And it just didn't work out that well. And I didn't have the heart to throw it in the fire, you know. Uh, but, you know, and, and you could see that this was just something that I do once in a while and not very well. That's what a hobby is, right? Oh, and you spend a lot of money on it, too. Um, others of you have hobbies, too. Some of you, your hobby is cooking, right? Cooking. You, you like to cook and you, you look at fancy shows and meals and Every once in a while, some, some things even good, you know, every once in a while. And uh, you torture your family with some of these recipes. And you go, ooh, <laughs> well, we could try that again. Uh, 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 or maybe it's gardening uh, or, or golf. Some of you golf and uh, you always know why you hit the bad shot, but you do it again, you know, right after that. Or, uh, and, and there's this idea that you have hobbies of things that you do in your spare time, in your spare time. And I want to tell you that as I look at this passage and as I look at Paul's life and what he's describing, he's not saying, I follow Christ, I pursue him in my spare time with that which is left over. But he says, it's the, the, the strenuous work of my life the thing that I press on, the thing that is the goal, the, the one thing that, that I do is I press on for what Christ has called me to, the, the salvation that he has given me, I press on that I might know him. This is what he describes. I want to encourage you that, that we're called to press on too. And we need to be thinking in terms of... Uh, you know, the one thing of the, the leaving the stuff behind. That may be the thing that hinders us, right? That may be the thing that messes up this pursuit that we have of what Christ has for us, right? It's clinging to the, the sins and successes of the past. Verse 15, he uh, calls us to press on because it's already been won. And as we look at this, verse 15, he says, and let those who are mature think this way. Um, may seem out of place for him to talk about maturity, but what he's saying is this is the right way to think about this. This is the clear and mature way to think is that we are people who press on. This is what we do. And, and this is what we should do. This isn't a hobby that we have. This isn't something we do in our spare time. It is what God has called us to. And this is what it is to pursue um, right relationship with him. He also says in verse 15, he says, And if any, uh, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. What's so interesting to me is that Paul was in process, right? We always think of the Apostle Paul. He was writing scripture, right? He was, in, he was inspired to write scripture, and in him writing scripture, he says, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. In fact, I, I might think wrong. And if any of us think wrong, you know what's going to happen? God in his grace is going to bring us along and show us. Isn't that amazing? 
uh, sometimes uh, we have a, a tender conscience and we're like, oh no, I could be wrong. And uh, people will come into my office and say, I, I just got to have the right answer. And I say, well, uh, we may not have the right answer today, but God's gracious. And you know what he does when we're wrong? He brings us back. He shows us. He does this over a lifetime. He finishes up this thought uh, by saying this, verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Uh, Interesting, this passage is both littered with the idea of striving, straining, pressing on, and it's already been done. It's already been done. It's already... That the truth of the gospel is already complete. Jesus has paid it all already. And if you trust it in Christ, it's done. It's the thing that we pursue also that we have attained. And so it's true. And so we can hold fast to that, uh, that which has already been attained. This morning, to finish our time, I want to... Uh, give us three thoughts about the prize, the prize of fully knowing Christ, okay? And hopefully these are encouraging to you as you think about your life right now. I want to encourage you that um, this is what life is all about. Uh, It's not about hobbies or things or politics or anything else. This is what will bring fullness to your life. And that joy that we're seeking, it's found in Christ, Um, and don't be surprised if the other things of this life don't bring you joy uh, because they weren't meant to, okay? But the prize of fully knowing Christ, the first thing I want to share with you about the prize is it is future. It is future. You get this picture as we go through this passage that, that he's straining ahead. Why? Because ahead is where it's at. That's where the prize is. Um. The game's not over. Uh, it's interesting. In other places, um, Paul just says, stand firm. He just, you know, the idea of stand your ground, if you will. But when it comes to knowing Christ, he says, press on. Press on. Future. The future prize. That, that there's more to know about Christ. There's more to have in Christ. And as you look at this life, I want to tell you, until you're there, until you're there with him, there's pressing on to do. Okay, so the prize is future. Secondly, so important for us to remember, the prize is won. The prize is won. Man, we struggle with this. Um, God's mad at me. He doesn't like me. If I do this sin again, he's going to throw me to the curb. I'm going to lose my place with him. He's going to kick me out of the family. If I don't work hard enough, maybe I won't make it. You look at this passage, it's already been attained. It's already been won. Christ made you his own. If you've trusted in Christ, you are his. It's done. It's done. It's already been won. Why is that so important? Well, it's important uh, because uh, we worry, right? We worry. If life is in the balance, you know, 
What if this happens tomorrow? What if that happens tomorrow? What if, what if I do this? What if I fail this? What if, you know, all the what ifs will destroy us. And yet we look to the word of God and what does it say? It's already been won. It's done. And our, our, our call is something different in light of that. The prize has been won. May that, may that grant you great comfort today uh, as you struggle with the sins of this life. And, and lastly, I, I just want to say this. The prize is worthy of strenuous, singular, lifelong pursuit. It's worthy. Um, great investors here at Bear Valley Church. What's one of the great rules of investing? Diversify, right? A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, a little bit there. Can't be too invested in one thing. Why? Because what if it fails? What if in the end it's not worth what you thought it was worth? You've been wrong before, right? And so diversify a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. No. Paul says this is a singular deal. It's all in on one. Why? Because the prize of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord is worthy of of strenuous and singular lifelong pursuit. What happens um, if you give your all and you lose? Or you give your all and it wasn't worth it? You give your all and it comes to nothing. You feel ripped off. And Paul says, as he looks at uh, the worth of Christ, he says, no, the prize is worthy of my strenuous, singular, lifelong pursuit. I would encourage you with that as well. Some of you, uh, beginning of your life, you feel young and you say, well, I, I don't know if it's worth it. I, I don't know if it's worth giving up my youth to follow after Christ. It is. It is. Some of you are at the latter part of your life and, and you're tired and you say, I, I don't know if it's worth keeping going and pursuing. It is. It is. The prize is worth it, that singular pursuit. Please join with me in prayer. God, um, as I read this passage and uh, hear the heart of your servant, the Apostle Paul, I hear his heart, but I also hear your word and your desire for us to know that relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ is worth it. And to fully know your son Jesus and to, to understand him better and to understand all the benefits of, of us being his and Christ being ours. God, help us to understand that. And we know that that uh, is fully worth it. God, uh, do your work in us now. Remind us of this in the midst of our days. May we not treat our relationship with you as a hobby that we can uh, dabble in, but maybe it be the singular pursuit of our lives. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope to see you next week.